Hello, storytellers. Welcome to the new year. I'm so glad we made it. I've got some great news. Your story is your way forward. Being able to tell your story, not write templated copy, is how you will set yourself apart. And if you need help telling your story, I've got a free resource for you at alicefairfax.com checklist. It's called The Five Things Your Story Needs to Create an Impact. That checklist will give you a list of elements you need to make sure are in every story, from a tweet to a TED Talk. And coming soon, the Storytelling Digital Workshop. It's exciting material. There is so much there that is going to help you increase engagement through the use of stories in your social media, marketing, and speeches. But first, get started with the checklist. When you download it, you're automatically signed up for my e-newsletter, and you'll be first in line for the Tell Your Story digital course. So make sure you're on the list and sign up at alicefairfax.com checklist. Now, let's get into this episode of the Story Maven podcast. One way that I talk about this with my coaching clients is when you don't know what to do, first of all, be still. Listen. What is the little voice that's whispering to you? Where is the gravitational pull? And collect more data. Get into action and collect more data. And I think of data as each little piece of data is another matchstick, is another matchstick that's going on the scales, right? And eventually one piece of data is gonna be that one piece of data that tips the scale and you suddenly, you know, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. now it's clear. And then the moment it's clear, that's when the things start placing themselves in front of you. And the path gets revealed and becomes so super clear and easy. Hello, and welcome to the Story Maven podcast, where we meet great storytellers who share their secrets to opening a story loop, engaging an audience, and telling a great story. I'm your host, Alice Fairfax. I was a Walt Disney World performer for over 20 years, and now I teach busy nonprofit leaders and entrepreneurs how to turn data into story. Because what I know from being an improv storyteller is that you can increase your impact and grow your audience just by telling a great story. So if you're overwhelmed by your social media calendar or dealing with pre-speech jitters, the Story Maven podcast is here to help you tell your story. Hello and welcome back. This week's guest is Elizabeth Dean. This is her second part of the conversation that we had. Um, in fact, the, the clip that you just heard is the end of the first part of the conversation that we had last week, and I wanted to make sure that you heard what she has to say, because it is some powerful tools about our own story and the power that our story and the story we tell ourselves daily has. Elizabeth is a certified professional coach with the Coaches Training Institute, and she is the founder of Elizabeth Dean Coaching. She partners with Cochrane, Cochrane and Yale, named America's Best Executive Search Firms 2017 by Forbes, where she provides leadership coaching and career transition coaching to executives. Like I said, she has some powerful tools that are going to help us create that positive path that moves us forward on our journey, the story we're living out, our very own hero's journey. She's going to help us see those obstacles and overcome them. Now be sure to stick around for my story maven takeaways after the interview. Now, here's the second part of my conversation with Elizabeth Dean. Well, I love that too, because um, 
you know, some people would say, certainly our lives as actors is very woo-woo. And then coaching, oh, that's that's too woo-woo. But you're really talking about, you know, analyzing data, measuring data, too, as part of, we've talked about magic, but we're also talking about data. Yes. And I'm so glad that you recognized that in the conversation, because one of the things that was what drew me to coaching is that it's based in neuroscience. Mm-hmm. So you want to, so let me go back to the catalyst, the, the, the matchstick for me to become mm-hmm. a coach. The matchstick was a Ted talk by Sean Acor. And I will provide it to you so that you can provide it to your listeners so that they yes. can take a look at it themselves. Uh, it's one of the most viewed TED Talks. He is hilarious. And his TED Talk is on the happiness advantage. And it's based in neuroscience. There's all kinds of research that backs it up. It is uh, the concept that when our minds, our brains are set to positive versus negative, neutral, or stressed, when our brains are set to positive, we are, and he gives all the percentages, we are this percentage more creative, more accurate in the work we're doing, um, more efficient. Uh, I can't remember all of the mm. different categories that he um, calculated in this, but there's research that backs up where coaching has come from. There's a lot of research that I have looked into on the neuroscience side so that when I'm talking, when I'm coaching an engineer at Salesforce or some other large global company, I can appeal to their analytical side and I can tell them, you don't have to believe me. We don't have to get woo-woo. You put on your lab coat, you give it a try, and you tell me, what's your hypothesis? Does it work? Does it not work? What mm-hmm. are the results for you? What's the impact? But you're never going to know what works or what doesn't work if you're not willing to give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. And the neuroscience piece is so interesting to me um, as well, Uh, coming from two places. One, an actor and being and looking at motivation and looking at how things line up. How do things line up Um, and dissecting uh, a scene as as we talked about, but also um, from my life as Henry's mom. Um, understanding neuroscience and understanding how his brain, once he was diagnosed with autism, how is his brain building and what can I do to help him build his brain? And then um, kind of reflect that back to myself uh, where my brain naturally goes to an anxious state not a neutral. Hmm, don't know that one very well. Um, <laughs> but you know, has a real tendency towards a oh, yeah. state, a negative state. Um, and to know I, I get to build that. I get to build the neural pathways. Yes. I can retrain my brain and yes. the work that you and I did was very much a part of that. Um, it wasn't, uh, there was certainly a lot of feeling components to it, um, but it was really developing. I want to develop a path towards the next thing in my life. And to do that, I have to develop it. I have to develop neural pathways because right now they are plugged into something else. They are plugged into, you don't deserve, you can't move forward, or you can only move forward this way. 
and and we had to rewire yes and rework is it okay to take this moment to just recognize the work that you did alice <laughs> oh the work that you did was so specific mm. so courageous so involved one of the things i remember most about our work together was the when we would get into our bodies yes focus on okay if you're approaching this person this situation like a, uh, a toy soldier all stiff and and uh, mm -hmm. rigid around our thinking and i would get you into that body stance yes right? what does yeah. it feel like to just talk while you're walking around all rigid yeah and then we tapped into this Martha Graham dancer. Yes. Yes. I, oh, I, I still I, use the visual of that. Yes. And yes, what because visually for me, Martha Graham, what I love about Martha Graham is she came from ballet. So she had all of this structure to her. And she was essentially breaking the rules. But when you watch her now, um, she's not. She's using ballet and all of that rigidity and expanding it and just being fluid in her movements in a new way but it's still in terms of dance it's still very structured um, looking to yes. a contemporary dancer now um, and so that that it continues to be uh, a picture for me a visual story for me to that if I am approaching an obstacle then, okay, I'm going to Martha Graham this. I'm going to um, look for a fluid way. I'm going to look at the structures that are in place, and I'm going to be willing to move fluidly through yes. it. How can I be beautiful and graceful and agile and strong and sinewy around this situation versus rigid and brittle Right. If you create this image in your mind of how you're going to approach a situation and you draw that energy into yourself, it, it shifts. It shifts something. Yeah. It shifts something in the way that you choose to approach whatever you might be doing. How important is, um, is visual uh, narrative in coaching, in helping people? I'm thinking about... Um, uh, the nonprofits and the entrepreneurs that I work with, they're, they're developing their brand. They're developing their brand narrative, what I call the brand story. Um, and what's helpful to me is helping them paint a picture. Um, and so I wonder how important um, visual narrative is in your work. I believe that it's very important. I believe that there are different ways to get into that space that we need to get into as mm. a coach and coachee. And for some people, we can talk our way into it. For other people, if I give them a picture, oh, I, I got that, right? The moment I said to you when we were coaching, the first time I said to you, get on Martha Graham on that, you were like, oh, and your body just did something different, <laughs> right? You could totally embody that idea. Mm. For other people, uh, there's um, there's a, a client that I work with that is an athlete. So this is a, a high-level athlete who has had a coach that coached this person through high-level athletics. And in athletics, high-level high athletes 
do a lot of visualization. They are trained that part of their training and coaching is to visualize what it's like to approach that moment when their body can't do anymore and visualize themselves pushing through it. So I try Mm. to tap into what are the other areas that people know about that they are versed in. I coached a woman who was a professional uh, dancer, a partner's dancer. So like uh, tango and and that kind of thing. Mm. So we tapped into, okay, what's your favorite music that you used to dance to? And, And what is the rhythm? What is the music that you need to picture or put on to play as you approach this situation in order to... Uh, remain very staccato and keep the structure so that you keep moving forward, right? You need the structure Mm -hmm. of of something versus uh, a flowy music that gets all Mm -hmm. esoteric and sort of soft and mushy, right? So tapping into people's passions, uh, hobbies, things that they know intrinsically, things that they have in their memory bank or in their body, that you can tap into in that way uh, can be a back door into what, wherever it is you're trying to get to from a coaching standpoint. Mm. So they, it can be very, very useful thinking in pictures. How, how important is storytelling? Um, the story you're telling yourself, the story you want to tell yourself. I feel like that is something that I have done is recognize, okay, this is all, a, it's all a story. It's all a story that, oh, I'm going to take this step out and build this business and it could all fall apart next week. That's a story. I'm going to take this step out and build this business and it's going to be wildly successful. That's a story. Which one would I prefer to walk towards and believe has been helpful for me? (laughs) How how important is it to build a story and understand that you are, are building a story? Really important because you ask yourself with that that example right there, Alice, you ask yourself, believing which one of those stories is going to motivate you. Mm. Asking yourself, what is the impact on how you're feeling? Like what happens in your body when you tell the story, I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to fail, right? Your shoulders drop, your chest caves in, uh, your voice even drops. Mm. You can hear, you could hear where that story leads you. versus what happens in your body, in your voice, in your energy, when you tell the story of, uh, it's going to be a huge success. All of a sudden there's a smile on your face. You're looking upwards. Your body is expanding. Your shoulders are back. Your chest is open and you're moving towards something. So it it gets you excited and you walk away from uh, that session. If it's a session where we were focusing on what's the story you're telling yourself, Um, you walk away from that session energized with the energy and clarity of vision to do what's next. Mm. And by the way, that's all you have to do. All you Mm. ever have to do is just do what's next. Just that next thing. And then the next thing, it doesn't ever have to be any bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. We get ourselves into trouble when we're, um, when we're trying to get to the the wrap up scene, the climactic scene, when we're in Act One, yes. um, we can visualize towards that. That can motivate us, but it's that availability to what's next. I think that is so key. That's what builds our path. Yeah, 
that's what builds our journey, our, our hero's journey. Um, and it certainly has for you. And when you take just that next step and you have success because you didn't bite off too much, mm. that success builds your confidence, which builds your energy. So then you've got the energy and confidence to take that next step. And then, oh my gosh, you've got another win. And then, oh my gosh, you've got another win. And then suddenly mm. the story is, I'm a winner and I can do this. It's so funny to me that you mentioned an, uh, athletes and visualization because we know that about athletes. We know they do that. And it's so powerful and so smart and exactly the right thing to do. Um, but yet it's a leap for us to think, I need to visualize that for myself as a business leader as a nonprofit leader, as an executive director of a nonprofit, I need to visualize where my organization's going. Um, that's powerful. What a powerful tool to use. Yeah. Mm. And where you can get in trouble, where story can help you get out of trouble is what is the story I've been telling myself about my past journey? Oh, I've, didn't I never accomplished this? I never completed that. I never did this. I'm a, you know, I'm a failure. I'm this, that. And so one of the things that we, and you will recognize this, that we focus in on is, all right, let's separate fact from fiction. Yes. What are the facts? Well, the facts are I have a really good job and gosh, did, were you magically plucked up and dropped in there? Or did you do stuff that put you in the right place at the right time with the right skills? Right. Right. It's for me, it's reframing um, yes. my story. Um, uh, Byron Katie that I've talked about many times with you, um, who I'm a huge follower of um, and her four questions um, to really examine an issue. Um, then she always has you do a turnaround. So if you started with, with um, I'm a failure and uh, nothing ever goes right for me, then you go through these four questions to discover something new about that story. And then you, she asked you to do a turnaround. Yes. Um, and you have to give three examples. So obviously the opposite of I'm a failure and nothing ever works out for me is I'm a success and everything works out for me. Yes. So that's the opposite. So now you have to, she makes you list three examples yes. for I'm a success and everything always works out for me. And it's neuroscience. You have trained your brain. Your brain is a computer and it, it can pull up three examples of you being a failure and how nothing has ever worked out for you. Yes. And if you just keep reading that data over and over again, you will continue on that path. You will continue in that story. If you read data that is, I'm a success and everything always works out for me, and you reread re -read those three examples, yes. you create a new neural pathway and essentially create a new story for yourself. That's right which provides the excitement and the energy to move you forward. Mm. Mm. So good. So good. Isn't See, it? I told fun? you this would be just great. So much fun. <laughs> it's so rich. So like I said, the catalyst for me saying, oh my gosh, I have to do this work was when I watched this particular TED talk from Sean Acor mm. and he talked simply about priming the brain for positivity, that what we're capable of when we are, when our brains are primed for positivity, which by the way, can be as simple as a lollipop that's been placed on your desk at school that day. They literally did experiments 
where mm. it was that simple. And by the way, you couldn't eat the lollipop because they didn't want the sugar to be a factor in their determining in this experiment. You could, you could only eat the lollipop after the experiment was over. So just the fact that there was a lollipop placed at your place. Just the promise of it. <laughs> yes. And I'll tell you, Alice, I was parenting three girls at the time that I saw this. And it shifted the way I parented Boy, those yeah. girls. I no longer gave them a hard time in the morning before I sent them off to school because I wanted those beautiful little brains primed for positivity, primed for learning to go out into the world. So I shifted and said, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that that moment out the door is as good as we can get it. Oh, that's good. It wasn't about where are your socks? Why didn't you? <laughs> what are you wearing? Wow, <laughs> Yes. You're the fullest version of you I think you could be right now. I love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is so good. So good. So well, it really translated across all, all of the lines. And it was yeah. uh, just a catalyst for me to say, this is too important. And it's too simple. Like, it's so simple. Reaching as many people to prime their brains for positivity and clarity to know what it is they want to help them figure out where they belong, then the the universe does the rest. Mm -hmm. The path mm -hmm. gets revealed. They've got the courage. They've got the strength to take that next step, and that's all that's needed is just the next step. Mm. I feel very motivated. I'm very motivated. <laughs> I love my job and I love my clients. They're so gorgeous. They're all mm. working in such beautiful, beautiful ways. Each of them has different things that they are working towards and they are moving towards. You know, I was thinking about this, the, the journey and the, the, the storytelling aspect of, I was like, well, what am I going to contribute to the story? One of the things that I was thinking about, and I know we have to wrap up, but I want to share this, is yes. I help people clarify where they are in their journey. Yes, so important. Yes, that here's mm. your journey, and let's figure out where on your timeline you are, where in the arc of your mm. story are yes. you right now, right? And then looking back at some of the things that are in their story and helping them make sense of how they got to where they are, right? And then looking forward to say, how do you want this story to end? Yeah. What are yeah. you doing today that would make that ending possible? Mm. Versus, and looking at what are you doing today that doesn't line up with what, how you say you want this story to end? Right. That's so smart. The story arc, understanding the structure of a story and the flow of a story is a big part of my workshops. Um, uh, because what we tend to do when we're writing a story, when we're telling a story for, um, you know, if we have a speech or something, uh, what we tend to do is instead of evenly going through that story structure, we... Um, spend a lot of time in act one. We push act one all the way to the climactic moment. So we're talking about what we might do and we're explaining and explaining and explaining. And it's all about, 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 because we just are desperately afraid to take action. And mm -hmm. I'm just talking about storytelling here. I'm not talking about life. 
Yeah. But I think it applies exactly to what you're saying. In storytelling, we, oh, and then, oh, but they need to know that there was a dog in this story and that they, oh, and then the neighbor came, but no, they don't need to know any of that. They need to know the action. They need a little teeny bit of setup and then they need to know the action. And then you need to start driving that story to the climactic moment. But we just take that act one, we shove it all the way to the climactic moment, we get to the climactic moment in our story, and we're like, and then this happened. And then instead of wrapping it up um, in this uh, thrilling way, this satisfying way, we we are kind of re-explaining why we, why we spent so much time in the about section. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think so helping people to tell their stories well I'm constantly like get the narrative get the narrative back 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 get the setup back push it back push it back push it back get into the action get into the action find out what that action is and how it drives the story and um I don't I mean I think you and I worked together for two years maybe three years I don't think we've ever had this conversation in this way but that is exactly what we do in our lives we talk about doing and and how we want to and that what I really need is probably a little more research about that before I step out but if we can exactly what you just described if we can see where we are in the arc of our story then we know how we're how we're building to the next part yeah that's really great. Can I ask you a question? Okay. <laughs> what was what was the most helpful to you in the coaching work that we did? Oh, that is really hard to say. Um I think the visual element, creating visual triggers for myself, was really, really helpful. Um, And really, it it was the clarity uh, piece, too. So, So two things, being able to, I process by talking. So when it comes out of my mouth, I see it. Yes. If it stays in my head. I, I'm just lost. It's a tangle. It's a foggy, foggy yes. bottom. It's just, um, so talking it out with you, um, and the, the kind of questions that you would ask would help me to see it almost. There, there wasn't a lot of like, Oh, Elizabeth told me to do this. So that's what it is. There was never, I think there was never any of that. Um, it was really me. Um, putting it out on the table, us looking at it together and then examining it in exactly the way you just said, how is this leading to the next step? How does this lead you to the next thing? Um, There was only one time you told me to do something and it was so, it, it became visual for me and it went visual into uh, kinesthetic, into, into physical. Um, I was frustrated with um, a group of people and continually frustrated with them. And their behavior was bad, by the way, completely justified to be frustrated. Um, But you just said to me, the judgment isn't serving you. You need to drop it. 
And it was so striking to be told <laughs> by you what to do. It had not happened. And I imagined every time I would go into a meeting with this group of people, I imagined a, a post-it note with the word judgment. And I imagined it being on my hand. And I would imagine, go as I would walk toward the door to meet with them, I would imagine literally dropping that post-it note with the mm -hmm. word judgment. And then I put mm -hmm. my hand on the door. Um, and that served me so well and continues to serve me well. Because if I see that start to crop up, but I, I don't see it so much anymore. It's um uh you built that muscle, Alice. Yes, totally, totally yeah. created that as a practice for myself. And I and I feel like that's a you know, I'm a big believer in that the the good and the bad, the the good part, the best things of myself are also the worst things of myself. They can flip easily. Um, yeah. And so my ability to discern, my ability to see into a situation, my ability to understand a situation um, is such a gift. It's a gift to many people. It's a gift to myself. It yeah. can lead to judgment. Yeah. It can it can go the other way and lead to a um, a judgment on because I've seen it now it needs to be this way or you're not being this way. Um, and that has just been so powerful to have that visual element of just, just going to drop that right before I open that door. Yes, ma'am. I loved working with you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love the work that we did. I'm so proud of it. Yeah. I'm so proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to share before we before we wrap up that was on your list? Gosh, I think we we touched on so much. Um, we have a lot of opportunity. Mm. There's just so much opportunity. And I know it's a little bit easier to see that opportunity for a lot of us um, since the election. Um, and we're also still in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. And we're also surrounded by people who are struggling desperately. And I mean, just have so much need. So challenging ourselves to be a positive, powerful influence for the people that we come into contact with. Mm. There's so much opportunity for joy, for connection, for positivity, for um, holding space, just being with. Right? I don't like to push, oh, it all has to be happy, happy, joy, joy. No, sometimes yes. it's just right to just be right where you are. Mm. Be right I love now. the idea of looking for the opportunity. Yeah. What are the opportunities around me? And then I'll leave you with one practical thing. Tell me. On the same note, we've talked about this. We talked about this in, in our, our work together. Scanning. Scanning your horizon. Scanning your environment for the positive. Anthropologically, as human beings, we are primed to scan for threat. It's how sure. we stay alive. It's how we stay alive. It's primal. 
we are not well-versed at scanning for positivity. And we need to continually scan for the positive in order to counterbalance all of the negative. Mm. So to create a practice of, oh, there's a positive. Oh, there's a moment of joy. Oh, there's something good. Catch people doing good. Catch your kids doing something really good. Catch your dog doing something good, right? Oh, he walked away from that treat that was on top of the counter where he could have jumped up and got it. Good boy, right? <laughs> Scan your world for every possible moment of positivity because we have enough of our instinct looking for the threat, looking for sure. the that we need to balance it out. So that's an active thing one can do to make a shift. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. I just adore you. It's so fan wonderfully fantastic to see your face and you our hair together <laughs> on, on a screen. Well, there are a lot of takeaways from our conversation. Um, first, I thought it was just so important that we understand that the neuroscience of how our brains work not only will help you tell your story, it will help you understand how your audience is receiving your story. If you think through some of the things that Elizabeth and I talked about, about how we process information, that is how your audience is processing information. So think about that and see how that might apply to your storytelling. Some other great tips was using physical movement and visual cues to build a story for yourself to help you create new habits, behaviors, and create a new path for yourself. So how might you use physical movement uh, to find a new way into storytelling? The visualization practice of high-level athletes of achieving, of achieving their physical goals, how might you use that practice to create your brand story? How might you visualize your brand story coming to fruition? And the physicalization of it, the story that you tell yourself, that you want to tell yourself, what is the impact of that on your body? That telling yourself a story that leads to your failure. And what happens to your body and your energy level when you feel yourself, uh, when you give yourself a story that leads to your success? I thought those were two really powerful points that Elizabeth brought up. I loved when she said this, all you have to do is what's next. It doesn't have to be bigger than that. Think about how that applies to your storytelling. Uh, I'm working right now on building a story arc for the uh, first quarter of the year uh, for a client that I'm working with, a communication plan that has an arc for that first quarter. Now, what we want to do is build an arc and then we want to take each step and build one from the other. But if we have the understanding of that arc and where we want to go in the first quarter, we'll be able to build those small steps. And by that, I mean not only oh, this is the story we're going to tell to the media, this is the story we're going to post in a video on social media, but these are the daily posts on Instagram. How do they tell that bigger story? All you have to do is what's next. doesn't have to be any bigger than that. 
really love that. Clarify where you are in the arc of your story. Clarify where you are in the arc of your business's story, in your brand story. Go back and separate fact from fiction in your hero's journey up to this point. What obstacles have you actually overcome? What are those obstacles that you have actually had victory over? Take a look at those, write those down, and remind yourself of those. I'd say quarterly at least. And finally, we are primed to scan for threats. Makes so much sense. Makes so much sense. We are primed to scan for threats. So let's learn to scan for the positive on our horizon. Be sure to visit alicefairfax.com checklist to download the free checklist, the five things your brand story needs, and start making an impact with your target audience. When you get the checklist, that automatically signs you up for my newsletter where you'll get first access to the Tell Your Story digital course. Thanks for listening to the Story Maven podcast. Be sure to subscribe to and rate and review this podcast. Thank you to Emmett Fenn for the music Global from YouTube Music.